Welcome back, y'all. This is Aisha from Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat from Shuffle Online. We are back to discuss Never Have I Ever from Netflix and the final two episodes of season one. I can't believe it. I know. It's done the last podcast for us, but wow, what a ride it's been with our main character, Devi, and all of her ups and downs in this season. Let's get right to it. What did you think about the last couple episodes and how we started with all of the emotions that Debbie's been feeling. Episode eight ended with her just kissing Paxton and then getting a high from that. But then she walks in, she sees her father in the kitchen that comes back and it overwhelms her. So episode nine deals with that. I've been waiting for this episode, I guess, all season because she's been really hiding or not dealing with her grief this whole season. And that's why she's been acting the way she has. The emotions finally, they were bottling up. So they had to explode at one point and they did in this episode. And we learn more about the relationship also with her mom and why it's so contentious. And it was the day her dad died where they got in a big fight and just like the mom and daughter normal fights. But in Mm -hmm. this case, it was just on the worst day possible because that's when her dad died. The way she sees it is that her dad loved her more than her mom does because the mom's really hard on her. All those emotions came out in in episode 9 and 10. And honestly, there were some of my two favorite episodes of the season because I feel like all the some of the other stuff in the other episodes, while they were important, but there were just fluff compared to this big thing that she's been hiding, which is the grief Absolutely. of her father. Yeah. And I thought that they were really well done, made it more than just a teen show in in those last two episodes. When you said contentious, that's so funny because I wrote that exact same word on my notes. <laughs> the, the whole teen girl with the mom, I mean, we've all had that moment where you're like, I hate you, or you wanted to say I hate you with your mom. But for most of us, it's just, it's passing, right? It just happens and yeah. it goes on. But for her, it was the day that her dad died. And that day, for anyone I'm sure that has lost a parent or anybody close to them, they remember details, specific details about those days, words, they'll go back in their mind, they'll replay it and that kind of thing. You know, for her, that was extra hurtful because she knew those words. She replayed those words in her mind over and over again and where her mom might have forgotten that she might have said it or the exact words that she said that was imprinted in Davy's mind. And so it was so super sad that she took that so hard and never talked to her mom about it you know yeah these two episodes were absolutely two of my favorites the drama the ups and downs the way that we got some closure with things and we've got some things left unsaid and open for the future really really had me like excited speaking of emotions we also learned a lot more about Devi's mom the stuff that she was dealing with mm-hmm. and also her having to be the the face of the family so she's very strong and so she also was bottling up not being able just to be vulnerable and grieve herself because she thought i'm the matriarch now i need Mm -hmm. to keep this family together and then by doing so and not showing that vulnerability to debbie she was ultimately kind of distancing herself they could have been grieving together but instead they both are so hard like they do they both are the same in that sense of of, i can do this on my own and oh i'm not going to talk about my feelings right and that's why there's i think they clash a lot because they're similar But her mom also had to deal with her unresolved grief as well in these two episodes. So what did she think of that? It's funny because I could kind of relate to Nalini and her way of 
parenting kind of and the way that I could relate to the bottling up of the grief the fact that she is kind of that parent that is pretty strict and stern and strong about things and I tend to do that myself I tend to not necessarily let my emotions out as much as I would like I saw kind of I saw myself a little bit in that I kind of learned a little bit like maybe it's it's okay to just take a step back it's okay to have some emotions with your kid once in a while and let them cry a little bit on your shoulder and you cry with them and I yeah. thought that was something I really like love to implement in my own life kind of touched me in a way <laughs> well did, didn't you just love that uh she went to Dr. Ryan it was so funny I love that scene because I was a little bit sad when Debbie and Dr. Ryan broke up kind of and that we weren't going to get to see Nisi Nash. Right. And then when her mom goes to to see her, that whole scene was fun. And I was like, yes, more Dr. Ryan, more Nisi Nash. And the way that whole scene unfolded with her basically coming to that revelation of you don't have to keep it all together. And mm-hmm. she needs to let go and, and kind of getting some insight. And the fact that she... It was like therapies for white people. And then she actually ended up getting a lot of... <laughs> a lot of benefits from it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, which is funny because I think that's not just an Indian thing. It's also like, I know in my family, we're like therapy. But um, it's it's, it's good. It's good. So I think we it's can not, learn a little bit from it. Not necessarily a POC thing, you know? It's just not. People of color don't tend to gravitate to therapy, which is yeah. not the best, okay? <laughs> no, it's, it's not. Just not we, need to, we need to be better, people. We need to, like, realize that this could help us sometimes. So, uh, But that's kind of like that old school mental mentality yeah. way of thinking. And you're just like, you know, I don't need to sit here and talk about my feelings. I think the most interesting thing is that I got the relationship that Davy had with her mom and with her dad being so different. The dad was the mediator in the family. I think with that missing, it just created that void and it was so hard for them to really connect. And so it's been a tough, tough go. In these episodes, we see with the flashbacks, he was so calm with both of them. And I think that's he also loved that they were kind of firecrackers and had a mind of their own and were so unique in themselves. But he could see the reasoning behind their actions on both ends. Yeah. You're right. He was a mediator. And when you take that out, it's just clash, clash, clash. No communication. Because he says, um, when we come back, I'm going to fix it. And yeah. then and then it's like, well, they got to fix it. But I'm glad they did fix it. So, <laughs> Well, <laughs> like spoiler alert. I think that he's like the free-spirited and like positive parent he's the one that's like look at the bright side look at this beautiful house look at the stars look at the (laughs) sky you know he had this joy about him and not that the mom didn't have joy she just was very much more realistic Mm -hmm. and focused you were looking at the details and she was just the yin to his yang you know you could see why they made such a great couple because they really just fit together but i loved to see them flesh out a little bit more about how the father Mohan used to just love life. Davy like looking back and remembering all those great times. So that was really sweet. Oh my God, I cried. I'm like wanted to tear up now. It was just, it was so well done. I think mm-hmm. when shows get me to cry, they're doing something right. Unless I'm just a big crybaby, but <laughs> um, it takes a lot sometimes. It definitely was hitting all the right notes in that department. They did the montages and the way they did the flashbacks with the dad and those little moments. It was just a tearjerker. It made me think that 
where we started with the first episode and then where we're at like with nine and ten it was just such a different tone and I was like I hope that people who didn't like the first two episodes like I hope they continued on because I liked where they went and it was sort of like an analogy to the way you are when you're a teenager like a little bit shallow at the beginning (laughs) absolutely but there's a lot of as you uncover your layers you know there's more to it than just the surface type of thing and I think with this show that's what the creators were doing I guess in some way it's like showing the shallow part in the beginning and then it's like no there's actually real substance here it's just you know we, we got to dig deep a little i'm with you on that we need to remind people stay with it do not give up on this show if you started and you think that this is worthless or it's like so superficial stay with it because we felt the same way you did and i am so pleasantly surprised and i did have a friend tell me that too and so that's why i was like okay you know there's going to be something here i want this to really build up and boy it did and it's definitely worth the watch Okay, so let's talk about the arranged marriage again, the topic of arranged (laughs) marriage and old Kamala and her, I guess her meeting with her future, would we say future fiance or possible future fiance? The mom kept saying future husband. (laughs) Future husband. Oh, okay. Can we just say Mr. Prashant was like super hot? (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. I love like... So I think Kamala was a storyline um, that I was a little cringeworthy at first because I was like, oh, no, is this going to go down the same road that we've mm-hmm. seen? And I should have known better. I mean, of course, uh, I would hope that, you know, Mindy Kaley would want to do something different. And she did. And she kind of turned that whole storyline that could have been the typical stereotype of arranged marriage on its head, which mm-hmm. I really appreciated because... I didn't see it coming. Like, I was thinking, okay, he might be okay. But the whole Steve part is what threw me off because I really thought she would want to stay with Steve. I thought so, too. Yeah, so that's the part where I was like, oh, I like that. I like Kamala. I like her character. I like that she just wants to do her own thing and she's figuring out, like, she wants to have her career and not rush into anything, no matter how hot the dude is or the fact that she had the first boyfriend and thought, oh, I need to do this. And then Steve was also being a little creepy McCreep and like being really too much. Right. It was showing like, hey, you don't need to give into that either for for all the young women out there. (laughs) You know, the funny part is that like she had already spoken about how she really kind of felt with Steve. She's like, you know, I don't know if it's going to work. And he kind of convinced her in so many ways to get back with him. And, And I think she finally just, you know, grew a backbone and was like that. You know what? I don't. I'm going to say no to both of these situations. And that's super cool to see in modern times. And even when discussing arranged marriage to like hear that that's going to that could happen. You know what I mean? That's more likely to happen now than mm-hmm. it might have been in the past. What struck me is the theme of being married and then having to quit your career and her just refusing to say that that's what she would want to do. She's like, yeah. well, just because I got just because I'm getting married doesn't mean that I'm not going to work anymore. Like, I'm going to work as well, which I love to see that as well. And that was like a moment that she had with her uncle that I loved. And I was like, wow, please say more of that. You know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that your life's over <laughs> yeah. just because you're married, you know, and that you now have to like spend all your time with your husband or spend every minute catering to him or waiting for him to come home from work. And so I was like, good for her. Bravo. Well, that's another storyline that was funny is the uncle Aravind, uh, Aravind. He was giving advice to Kamalan and the whole family. Then Debbie points out 
she's like, so why was she, like, how, how come you're not married? Like, he's the one telling her, you need to do this for your husband. You need to do this. And then, right. And then, and then he's not even married. And he's then not even was, married. I think that was probably just an ode to all the aunties and uncles that are always telling it. you what to do. And then uh-huh. it's like, they don't even know what they're doing. Exactly. It's like, do what I say, not what I do. You know, that's yeah. the whole, I was like, mm-hmm, you full of it, buddy. Go on ahead. <laughs> I will say Team Prashant. Team Prashant. I think that this is going to be a super awesome next season if it comes back. Like if they get set up for another season and I don't know if they have yet or not. I'm definitely going to be interested to see what unfolds with those two because boy, what a fabulous like looking couple. Jeez. Oh my god, yes. And it's so funny. <laughs> like the whole stunners. The little the little Sorvoski Sorvos- crystal of a beaver because it's the Caltech mascot and MIT mascot. <laughs> and then it's nature's engineer. <laughs> nature's like, engineer. I, know, I was like, right? this is so dorky, but they're so like good looking couple. Like it's so funny, like the the different like the irony of, of that whole situation. <laughs> Did you not find it very strange that Nalini decides that she wants to move them back to India and feeling that she doesn't have any support. She doesn't, she kept saying like she had no support. She didn't know that. I mean, obviously the reason that she wanted to is to bring more discipline with her daughter. But I found that a little strange plot wise because she's got this beautiful home. She's got a thriving practice you know, she's got this daughter that's been raised in America her whole life yeah. and to uproot and, and it would have made more sense to me that she said that she was sending her to like a, a military type school or whatever you would send a woman, to, you know, a girl to, I don't know what, yeah. what the equivalent is now, but like something where you would get more discipline or, and I'm putting all this in air quotes because I don't really believe that, but it just seemed very oddly placed did you feel that way or am i kind of off or did you feel like that was like the right thing for them to put into that into the whole thing yeah the whole story i didn't really like that storyline because i thought it was just so drastic because it would seem like the fact that mohan and her came and and they were so successful and she has a thriving career she knows like if she goes back she might not have that i don't understand why she would want to go back because she is it didn't make sense in that sense and then also like thinking that it would be best for devi when devi would not know anything about that culture like she's very american right with like you know a hint of indian (laughs) yeah like that would have just been a recipe for disaster in some ways because Debbie would have been not worse off because she would be around family, but not knowing the culture um, in that sense, you know, the kids would be completely different than her friends that she has at school. She would not relate at all. Yeah, I mean. no. The only thing I can see why they threw that in is because that just shows the level where her mom was at in terms of like, I do not understand Debbie. Maybe that was just her only way of, if I do this, this, it might work or something. I don't know. But I feel like I I was hoping that it just, it was just kind of a whim and it was never going to come to fruition, you know, like. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I can understand. I mean, they would have, they had to put in something that would spark such animosity that Debbie would want to like move out. So we advanced the plot for her to like leave the house and than her to move to Ben's and the whole thing. But it just felt like it could have been anything else. And it seemed a little weird that she would jump to that, especially I would have thought that she would have wanted to do that after his death. If she she really wanted to move back to India, she probably would have done that after his death, directly after his death and not 
now, you know, after they're yeah. having these like issues. But anyway, that's just here nor there. I just thought it was a strange plot point. And I kept yeah. like looking at the TV like, really? For real? <laughs> I think, you know? I, it does feel like it was more of a TV plot than a, than a natural yeah, character not a natural, decision. Exactly, exactly. But I, I can't relate in one aspect. My grandparents, they moved to this country and I'd mentioned this before, but they'd moved from India when I was born 42 years ago and they became American citizens. They have jobs. They, you know, they did everything. We lived, they lived here for, gosh, let's see, almost 30 years. And then they decided in, as they were getting older that they wanted to go back to India. They did. And mm-hmm. they, just for healthcare purposes, for having more servants to take care of them, like they mentioned in the show, same thing. They're going to have people to take care of them. And they did. And they moved. They up and moved <laughs> and spent the rest of their lives um, in India and passed away there. So I do understand the pull of an, an Indian American wanting to go back when you're born there. I, I do get that part. I do. Yeah, I just don't so. understand how she would think it would have been good for Devi. It was seeming that it was more for her than for Devi, but she kept saying, like, this is going to be good for both of us. Right. We are going to do, you know, and it was just like, no, this is for you because obviously you're, you're the death of your husband. You have, like she said, she doesn't have a support system. I guess because she's working all the time, maybe she just doesn't have as close friends. But this wasn't, it was, that decision was not at all in favor for De- for Debbie. <laughs> and then she, I guess as Debbie had to realize that, and then she got a little selfish, right? You know, so as Debbie does, <laughs> bounces up out of the house and goes to Ben's. But like, it's sweet that she did have somebody, even though she had alienated all her friends. And we talked about how she had lost all her friendships. All of her actions had been super selfish up to this point. And it all just kind of came crashing down because when she really needed somebody to be there, she only had one person left. That was Ben. Oh my God, let's talk about Ben. I know, I told you, (laughs) Team Ben. I told you last time. I was so right. I was like... Oh my God, you know what I just realized? So my brother's name is Ben and his son is named Paxton. And it's so weird. Oh, you did tell me about Paxton. I didn't hear. I didn't know about the brother named Ben. It just didn't dig on me right now. And I was like, oh, this is so funny. I really loved Ben, like his whole arc on the show. At first, he was a little annoying and a lot like crazy millennials terms and everything. Like, you know, the way they speak. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And then it kind of, you know, flattened out a little bit. And it was, it was, I don't know, more digestible <laughs> um, and witty and fun and charming. The way it's just him and Debbie's relationship has formed is really been natural, I think. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like like the Indian plot. It, this doesn't feel like plotted out. Forced. It, it didn't feel forced, right? Yeah, it, it definitely feels like it wasn't like that's what would happen. You know, you would go through those like little weird, awkward moments. People like he would be there for you, and then you would eventually realize that like, hey, the the person that's actually been there for me, I kind of like that. This is what I've been wanting, and then it just might not have looked the way you wanted it to be, and that ended up being Ben. And it was so cute, like. Oh, so cute. And we're meshing both episodes because I think they kind of really did mesh in a way. Absolutely. So I'm talking in it's like both nine and ten with this Ben arc. And also, though, her mom was it was funny that she got so upset that Paxton brought home like a dress of hers and that he thought he had done something with Paxton. And then he she like goes and moves with Ben and like, that's okay. (laughs) I know. Right. Okay. so 
she's super strict. And then Debbie just decides she's going to like bounce on over to Ben's house. Okay, no problem. But I mean, I guess we're supposed to believe that since they've been, they've grown up together, that the parents might have had some sort of um, friendship, you know, all these years, regardless of them being enemies, they might have had some sort of friendship and, you know, Ben's going to see her as his doctor and that kind of thing. So I guess it's plausible. Yeah. And also Ben, um, the mom actually knows Ben because of that whole little breakdown and like they they took him in and so he she knows that he's not like a Paxton I guess right for me Ben's arc has been a great growth because he he's gone from this super arrogant and uptight intelligent (laughs) guy to actually remembering what it's like to be a good friend Mm -hmm. and count on somebody else and be kind and all those things that we were really like thinking were deep down inside of him that just couldn't come out because he was just kind of so lonely and harboring all these all this resentment for his parents and so I think it's a cool thing to see him move into a different light but it was really funny to see like his parents being all parenty <laughs> in these episodes like oh they're all around they're just like sure come on over stay with us and all this stuff is just oh so now they're all around I'll just like you know he's giving his dad stretches and all this stuff I was yeah. laughing so hard with that but super funny and really really great like place for her to go like, to get back on her feet and the fact that he actually helped with her and brought all her friends back to her that that spoke volumes you know that was probably one of the highlights because like kudos to the writing that he means something to her and they have like a unique uh, relationship before you know anything romantic happened like they connect on a different level than the way obviously her her friends do the fact that he realized i can't help her like she's she's i don't have that power Mm -hmm. to like convince her that this is the right thing to do because she didn't want to go and and spread her dad's ashes with her mom and and Kamala he realized that was going to be something she was going to regret and so that was also just so cute because who does that you know unless you really care about someone which we know Ben cares about Debbie so um but it was more than just him trying to save the day he actually was like I can't do it I need help and she needs her friends that was so nice of him and definitely shows how far he's come and what kind of person he is. Yeah. I mean, how awesome is that? Like drive her all the way up to Malibu and sit there and wait the whole time. Oh, because I was thinking to myself, yeah, he's going to drop her off. Right. That was the thing. And she'd do her thing. But when he was there, when she walked out, oh, my heart, I was like, oh, my God, I can't take it. It was That's so where sweet. the teen show like it, it just hits all the right notes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And the music starts playing, and it's like, uh-huh. oh my god. And then Debbie has, like, the character has the realization, like, oh, this is the guy I've been waiting for. Uh-huh. And then Ben does his little dorky thing, and then she's like, oh my god, I love Ben. Yeah. In her mind, sweet. she hasn't said that, but I, I could just see, like, oh my You're god. like, she said it. I know she said it. In her mind. <laughs> and then they make out, and I'm like, and then, oh my god, this is just, uh, I guess we can talk about Paxton. Yeah, yeah. You know, in episode nine, we didn't really get to see much of Paxton besides him coming over during the whole debacle of the arranged marriage. He gets chewed out by Debbie's mom, basically calling him an idiot, that he's just trying to impregnate her and all this, like, really, really crazy stuff. So, Well, as a mom, I mean, I get where she was coming from because she did find out that this was the guy that that Debbie was saying was she was going to sleep with, you know? Yeah, 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 true. So... Of course, as a parent, you're like, what the hell are you doing here? Get the hell out of my property, you know? 
But he's just being a nice guy. He was bringing her freaking dress over to her. She, he could have been like, you come get your dress that you left in my car. He was nice enough to bring it over, even though it was not the best. And he's not, it didn't seem like he's a liar. He was saying the truth. Of course, he probably too much information on her part. <laughs> yeah, so he but was he's a saying of the an truth. Idiot. <laughs> He's saying the truth. I mean, you can't blame the guy, right? Like, he no. was only doing what he thought was the best thing there. And then he gets pummeled by her mom's words. And, I mean, the poor guy is, like, limping off. Like, oh, God, I'm, you know, not only, like, trying to do something nice here. I was called, you know, jackass. Like, basically, I'm <laughs> stupid. So I, feel, I felt for him so bad. And he had the total right to feel the way he did the next day. You know, like, I don't really... Maybe talking to you is not the best idea because if, if you're not getting the um, good feelings back from somebody, then why bother talking with them? Or if you're going to go over to their house and do something nice for them and get berated, why bother with this person? So I totally felt that he was justified in the, that reaction. Yeah. This brings up another point because it kind of comes up later on um, with Paxton and, and the feelings towards Debbie. He didn't have to bring back the dress, you know, and he could have just think left so? it. No, like he could have left it or, you know, could have like, he could have given it to her at school. Like, right. you know, but he goes to her house. So do you think he wanted to see her again and kind of like talk or just because he, he is having, obviously he kissed her, but, you know, having those little like lovey-dovey feelings where you want to go and see the person you yep. like, he didn't have to go and do that no. that way unless he cares about her more and likes her. Absolutely. In this season, we didn't get to see any more insight to Paxton. So how do you think he really feels about Debbie? Do you think he's confused himself? I think he is completely confused because like when he had that conversation with his sister and she kind of just bluntly said, you know, like, you're stupid if you don't see it for what it is, basically calling him out like you're a douche. But the fact is, is that he's like thinking I'm on one level. She's on another level. That's basically what he was saying. He's I was waiting for him to say I'm a 10 and she's like a six or something like that. <laughs> right. Not that yeah. I think those are the, the accurate numbers, but I'm just saying I'm thinking he's saying I'm on this level and she's not. And I'm so freaking conflicted because I actually like this girl. That's what he's thinking. Yeah. But he's also thinking of his status because it's going to be... Actually, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Kudos. I think it's been rare, but I, I haven't seen this type of guy, you know, the hot guy have that kind of conflict, like where he just says it like like straightforward. Like, I, I'm i kind of cool and she's not, you know, and like it's been done in, in other ways. But he like, that's the reason why he's just not pursuing it but when it mm -hmm. comes up and they're together i guess he's starting to not be able to fight that feeling <laughs> like cue the song yeah um, right i was about to say <laughs> i like that he he just had that conversation like and he was just straight up like yeah i'm kind of like a big deal and i think he also is probably dealing with the fact that he's he would have to deal with that aspect of the relationship at school you know because everyone yeah. would be dogging on him or that he thinks they would, because right. I mean, if he's really cool, they're not going to question it. You know, they would probably accept Debbie. I mean, Trent has accepted Debbie in some way. I think it's just another maybe excuse for him to not want to. Maybe he's just really feeling something that he hasn't felt with like the other girls. Well, I think at the end, that phone call is him getting over that. You know, yeah. it's him. It's him deciding or him showing up at her house and then leaving that voicemail like where are you basically like it's him saying I'm ready to talk to you and I don't think that I'm gonna worry about our status anymore you know oh or my God, his yes. status so interesting triangle 
Yeah, so question then. Team Paxton or Team Ben? I said it, Team Ben. I said it last time and I'm sticking with my I'm sticking with Ben Gross. <laughs> when, she, when she kept calling his parents Mr. Gross, Mr. like, oh my god, it's so funny. I'm sticking with Team B. That's me. I know, I know you have a big I know you're like swooned heart. You got this heart for Paxton. <laughs> I do. <sighs> I know. I know. I'm torn, too. Like, Paxton has been super honest, and Debbie's the one that's done, like, you know, that whole rumor to him. And he has ignored her a little bit or whatever, but it wasn't anything crazy. And then, of course, Ben has done his whole, like, he's just been so swoon-worthy, too, in a dorky way. Mm Mm-hmm. I really hope there's a season two so we can kind of see where it would go, like Paxton and Ben competing. Oh my God, it would be so fun to see them competing for Debbie, which do you think when she finds, when she hears that voicemail, do you think she's going to be conflicted? Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I think this is a brilliant way to end this season. It was absolutely brilliant. So I was thinking when we first started talking about this, I think it was the last podcast or maybe the one before. It was the last one because I said, how are they going to wrap up all of these plot lines, mm-hmm. remember? And I was like, how are they going to do this? How are they going to wrap up like, you know, Fabiola's mom and that stuff and, and Eleanor and all this. It didn't need to be wrapped up. Those storylines didn't actually make any difference. And the ones that we were really interested in came to a, a stopping point, a pause and a hope for the future. But also, if it ended here, it was kind of cool, too. So I don't, it, it was brilliant to me. I, I love the way this ended. Yeah, it was perfect. In the age of binging, I think we've lost the art of the cliffhanger. And sometimes people, I think people now get a little frustrated because they're like, oh, why do you do that? But that was the whole thing. That's true. In, in, Sitcoms. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like, that's what kept you going to the next season. And I think now people want things to wrap up in the whole season and maybe leave a little bit nowadays it's really hard to get that second season because like netflix will cancel all the (laughs) first season shows so it was kind of ballsy of them to also leave on the cliffhanger because as they know they it's not guaranteed a second Mm -hmm. season yeah they were like just putting it out there you know like this needs to be a second season with this cliffhanger absolutely I really hope there is a second season, but I think you're right. I think I love the way it ended. It was perfect. It left me wanting more, and I think that's a good thing for a show to leave off on. You know how you're saying you were crying in the first episode, and I had to admit I cried on this one, and and before the whole makeout session with Ben, the bulk of it was her trying to get to spread her dad's ashes. I mean, and the grief that she had this whole entire time as they look out into the ocean, you know, she just lets go and all that grief. I don't think you can ever lose that grief, but I think there's a freedom of acceptance and she really just accepted it. And I think all three of them just standing there and scattering the ashes was like a, just a sweet scene. And I was just like, ba- with you two, beautiful day playing. I'm just like bawling. And oh I my loved God, it. I was bawling. I was yeah. like, what is going on? <laughs> I did not expect it because I'm sitting there like totally fine. And then all of a sudden my eyes are just like, it just comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I cried. I cried in that moment. And I also cried in the previous episode in in nine when the mom and her are fighting because that, that hit home a lot when I used to fight with my mom, not in a bad way, just like the normal teen stuff. But 
it just makes you realize, especially when, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you're like, what is I, what was I doing? But right. it's just the trials of being a teenage daughter with your mom. And mm-hmm. that hit a lot, which I liked about this show, too. I liked that they really played that dynamic, and it wasn't something that was fake, you know, like that everyone gets along. <laughs> I know. Don't you feel like there was just times when you were arguing with your mom, and you're just like, and you look back, and you're like, man, I can't believe I said that, you know? Oh, Yeah. I I can't believe I went that far or I can't believe she went that far because parents are, I mean, I admit, I mean, there's times when I've said things and I don't mean them. You know, you, we're all human. Parents say things all the time that they don't necessarily mean. You're just out of anger. You scream just as any other human being would do. As I watch these type of shows, especially this episode, I thought, wow, I feel so bad for screaming at my mom sometimes. And I could <laughs> wish I could go. I'm going to call her tonight and be like, I'm sorry for saying X, Y, and Z. I just have to tell you that. And she'll be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, because I think I said those exact words like when Debbie's like, I hate you. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. my God. It's like a reflection of past I mean, times. <laughs> in, a, in a black household with a black mother, she if I had said I hate you, I would have probably woken up from the grave. But I said it <laughs> under my breath. <laughs> Real, really strongly, I will say that. I did yell. I mean, I did say some stuff that I probably got away with because I was a good student and I really didn't get in trouble all that much. But when I did say some stuff, I was like, let me run out of this room before I'm murdered. But I lived. I do want to bring up something that it's just like an overall thought on the, sure. on the, on the show. I know Paxton is mentioning like, oh, I'm cool and, she, and Debbie's not. But I like the way that they made, like, Debbie and her friends, you never really feel that. Like, you know, in other shows, you always, like, they get bullied or they have this. And we saw that a little bit in the beginning. But mm-hmm. I like that they were able to be themselves, like, fabulous, in, like, in the robotics team. And mm-hmm. Eleanor is a theater kid. And Debbie is, like, probably, uh, well, competing with Ben for number one or two in her class. Mm-hmm. And just super dorky. But they never feel they dwelled on the fact that maybe they weren't like super cool, you know, and I think Debbie did a little bit, but it, she always is still like, I'm bad at, you know, like she still had her held her own. And I really liked that aspect of the show showing that like, you can be smart, you can be yourself and you can be like, you're cool. Like there's no need to kind of change for that. Like, I don't think the show leaned into a lot of that stereotype. No, that was good. I get you when you're talking about that and how I was like expecting her to be like walking down the hall and somebody like slap her books out of their hand or like somebody to trip her or something that like pedantic and it didn't ever happen. And I love that. That was very unexpected. Yeah, I think that's honestly truer to the way it is because I was kind of a geek in high school and that never happened to me. Like there will be separate kind of people, but they also kind of respect you because they know like people are like you're just one of the the smart kids you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. and if they're not if other people are doing their thing like Paxton is but it's not like a necessary like you know like the way they would show on tv I was like that never happens not not to say that it doesn't happen I'm just saying that um in my experience it's more like how it was portrayed here it's more like you're kind of invisible, you know? It's like you're quiet. You do your own thing. They leave you alone. You leave them alone. We all mm-hmm. just kind of coexist in this hierarchy of high school or middle school life, you know? Yeah. Or sometimes there's not even hierarchy. It just is, you know? And then there's like the drama in between or whatever. But... Right. I mean, not not that you want it to be a hierarchy, but it's almost like, you know what? It's funny because if you look at it, 
for me, I was in band and I wouldn't consider myself, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said I was like dorky or anything, but I guess to someone else, maybe a athlete, I could have been viewed as a dork because I was in band, but I was quite popular in my circle, in my mm-hmm. band circle. You know, I just had, I had lots of friends. I was very outgoing. I never felt isolated. I always had a great social life. To me, that doesn't equate to being dorky, but if you were looking on another aspect looking into if you're a cheerleader you're an athlete whoever else looking towards what i was like you would have probably said oh she's a dork and i would have said i wasn't popular but in reality i never ever was alone you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i had a thriving social life so is that like something that is changing do you think i don't know well i think that's exactly what you described i think is the way the show describe it like yeah Paxton obviously knows that there's like some sort of difference between like he's cool and Debbie is Mm -hmm. like what how he said national spelling bee which I took a little offense to because I was in I went to the national spelling bee so I was like (laughs) um but then Debbie is so in her little bubble with her friends that they don't even I don't think they care that much you know like they're doing their own thing they're trying to maybe get into like a popular sphere or maybe they're not because they they do their own thing so I just like the portrayal of that I get a little tired of the whole like we've already had so many shows before that have done that so we don't so need many more yeah right it's refreshing it's uh, that's yes. basically the bottom line I think it's just refreshing and so we're super happy that that was portrayed that way and there's a new way that teen dramas can be viewed comedy and dramas you know what I mean okay so as we wrap up we have to talk about our narrator coming out to us all Mr. John McEnroe he comes out onto the scene with his surfboard which cracked me up what did you think when he walked up it was really weird I have to say (laughs) Because he he even narrated saying, oh, hey, that's me. me. You guys, this narrator is the craziest thing for the whole show to me. I cannot believe that we have gone from episode one to episode 10 <laughs> and we are totally on team McEnroe and everything. Like when this first started, I thought this is the dumbest way yes. to narrate a teen Indian American girl in Southern California. Why? And now I'm like, it was just so out of the box and brilliant and funny. And for him to make a cameo on the show was just great. Honestly, it's so funny because when you were just talking about the way we felt about it, I was just like, I can't think of not having him as the narrator now, which is so funny. <laughs> like when Andy Samberg came for that one episode, I was like, I kind of miss John McEnroe, even though Eddie, Andy Samberg was like amazing. Right. But he has really grown on me, which is so funny to say that like, I like John McEnroe is like the narrator of this Indian teen show. <laughs> I just thought, I thought that was really, really, really funny. The way that he slipped in there and then slipped right out. It was just so <laughs> well placed. Bravo. Bravo to the, the creators on that one. Yeah, I really just want to know, like, how this whole, like, how they pitched him this show and how he was like, yeah, I'll do it. I mean, think about it. He's like, he's retired. He's rich. He's chilling. Some extra pocket cash. Sure, I'll play this role where all I have to do is a voiceover and then show up for like one scene and shoot. Amazing. I mean, what a what a fabulous role. Thank you, John, for your efforts. And we hope to see you in the future. We got to. Yes, I hope he's back next season. 
Absolutely. I hope that we do get a second season of Never Have I Ever. When Netflix decides, we will definitely make sure we let you guys know on Twitter. We hope to be back to talk about that. Overall, Kat, what are your thoughts? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I think thumbs up. If I had to do a ranking out of 10, I would say probably 7.5 out of 10 because I think it's not without its faults. I think, especially in the beginning, there's a few rocky moments where I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to continue. A little cringy sometimes. But then it really redeemed itself. And I think when it got into more of the substance Mm -hmm. of, you know, the grief, the the family and friendship and all that stuff and the relationship stuff. I think it was different than from what we've seen on other shows. I think that's what separates this show from, from just like another teen show. I think it's doing something new and I recommend it, especially if if you, if you watch teen shows since you were a teen, like I have, you know, Mm -hmm. like OC, Dawson's Creek, all those kind of shows. It's been kind of the evolution of that, you know, that, that, that now I'm watching never have I ever you know, 15 years later. (laughs) It's just been really interesting to kind of see that. And this show, I think, is a testament to the new, the new era of teen shows. And I like it. There's a little bit of uh, surface level stuff, but there's also a lot of substance. Yeah. Highly recommend. I agree with you. I give it a big fat thumbs up. And I was definitely one of those skeptics in the beginning. I would have said, absolutely not. Don't waste your time after episode one and two. Hands down, that's what I probably would have said. Now, I would definitely tell somebody and recommend that they watch all the way through. Feel good. It's a feel good show. And there's some laughs. You learn some stuff. It's a great little series to take your mind off of what's going on around the world. Just and just kind of zone out. So I loved it and hopefully there will be a second season and we'll have a lot more to see what's going on with the love triangle and what happens with Miss Devi and her mom and Kamala and the whole gang. So we are super excited that we were able to do this for you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope we're back for season two is all I'm saying. If we put it out there, we want season two Netflix. That's right. Put put that energy out to the world, right? <laughs> Season two, we want to hear it. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is Aisha from Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.